good morning. Uh, we are in the middle of a series entitled The Nines. We're taking a look at the uh, nine Christian virtues listed out. Paul lists them out for us in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we're right in the middle of that series right now. And before I go any further, I just wanted to let you know of a resource that's out there and available to you and your family. It was put together by our Home Point team. Uh, for further study with you and your family. There's some excellent resources that you can take home and begin this discussion at home. And so I highly encourage you, after the service is completed, you guys go out in the South Foyer and there's plenty of these if you haven't already gotten one. We started the series off with love. We continued on to joy. Last week we talked about peace and today we're talking about patience. Everybody take a deep breath. Because I know this is something that we all struggle with, isn't it? Right? We, and, and the reality is, is we don't live in a culture that really values patience or waiting. This spoken from the guy who is a self-proclaimed Amazon Prime addict, right? I just love, there is something about the ability to be able to order whatever I want, whenever I want it, and from wherever I am and have it delivered to my doorstep within two days. I gotta be honest. I have literally been standing in a store before looking at what I wanna get and this thought has crossed my mind. You know, I could just prime this thing and I don't have to stand in that line. I don't have to carry it out to my car. I mean, how lazy is that, seriously? Or actually, how brilliant is that? Come on, for real. I mean, there's just something about the convenience of Amazon Prime, and it was, in, it was great and incredible and fully sufficient for all of my shopping needs. That is until they started talking about their drone service. Have you seen this? Okay, so apparently they're gonna start delivering packages via unmanned aircraft. They're gonna drop them on your doorstep within an hour. All of a sudden, two-day shipping seems inc incredibly inefficient and insufficient for my needs. I'm like, I want the unmanned aircraft to show up, right? The reality is we live in a culture that doesn't really value patience or Waiting. We live in a, a, a culture that values expedience, things done in a hurry. We live in a culture filled with things like Netflix and the HOV lane. Uh, we live in a culture where the two most dreaded words in our world today is waiting room, right? Everyone dreads the, the, the waiting room. And matter of fact, ERs have picked up on this and so they've started advertising on billboards throughout our city. Their ER waiting times to let you know that their waiting times are actually shorter. And, and you think, oh, this is crazy because nobody determines what, what ER they're gonna visit based on the waiting room. If I'm bleeding profusely now, then any ER is gonna do. But the reality is, is it works. People love fast service. And so for those ERs and those hospitals that have implemented this form of marketing, they've seen their business go through the roof. It's because we all like things that are fast and in a hurry. And here's the truth. All of us wanna be more patient people. We get that and we see the value in patience it's just the waiting part that's so hard. You know, if we didn't have to wait for it, 
I think we'd all be a lot more patient people, wouldn't you agree? Let me illustrate this on a more uh, personal level, okay? The reason that we struggle with patience so much is all of us walk through life with a certain, uh, with certain expectations in relationships and in life. We have a, a picture of a desired reality, how things are going to go, whether it be in the people that we work with, or the people that we live with, our spouse, our kids, we have this picture of how we want life to turn out and how we want our relationships to go. And this, this picture drives a lot of our decisions and it informs a lot of the way that we uh, walk through life. And then reality hits, right? And all of a sudden there's this incredible gap between what we hoped would happen or how we hoped things would go and the way things actually turn out. When I'm doing premarital counseling, I often draw this up on a whiteboard to illustrate uh, for couples where conflict originates. Matter of fact, I call this, in premarital counseling, I call this the conflict gap. This is how she thought everything was gonna go their first year of marriage, and then reality hits, and everything was a lot harder than they thought. In my own relationship, my wife had this expectation about what Valentine's looked like, and it was filled with things like cards and teddy bears and chocolates. She had this picture of the way things were gonna turn out on Valentine's. But in reality, Valentine's Day wasn't even on my calendar, all right? And so there was, there was our first conflict in our relationship. I call this the conflict gap. We can call it a disappointment gap as well, where our expectations are met with reality Many times that leads to disappointment in life. We think we've landed the perfect job and everything's going great and wonderful and all of a sudden the economy turns, reality hits and we're left with disappointment. And the further this gap gets, uh, disappointment turns into disillusionment. This is how I thought my life would go. And that's maybe somewhere uh, where some of you are this morning. As you begin to evaluate the picture that you had, the expectations you had about where life would lead you, and you look at your reality today, and there's this huge gap. And we could call it the conflict gap, or we could call it the disappointment gap, or uh, the disillusionment gap. In reality, what I want to call it today is the patience gap, because the difference between expectation and reality is where patience is Required. Take a look at James chapter five as we kind of dive in and look at what patience actually looks like. I think James gives us a beautiful picture of uh, what patience really is. James chapter five, verse seven through nine says this, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Then he gives us a great illustration. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You see, patience isn't a reality for some of us because our expectations of people or life circumstances are quite frankly just too high or unrealistic. It's like sitting on 6.35 at five o'clock in the afternoon and think you're going anywhere. Sometimes the reason our patience gap is so wide because our, un our expectations are just unrealistic or, uh, or, or, or way too high. 
A lot of times we place unrealistic, on the, unrealistic expectations on the people that we care about the most, the people that we love. And we understand that they're just not where they should be and it causes us this incredible patience gap in our life. You ever read with a, uh, uh, with a kid who's just learning to read, a kindergartner? That is an exercise in patience. I remember teaching both of my kids to read and sitting down with the kindergartners. They opened their kindergarten reader for the first time and they began to sound out the words. And I know what it says. I can read. I see all the words, but they're just struggling with it. And, and, and this impatience, really, this, almost this irritation begins to build in you. Some of you parents know exactly what I'm, what I'm thinking about, so don't look at me with judgment. All of us get impatient in that moment. I mean, they're reading the words, to, to he, to, to he. It's the, the word is the, the next word is dog, the next word is ran. Okay, let's just go out and throw a baseball, you know? I just, sometimes I just lose my patience. It's because my expectations sometimes are just unrealistic. You know, we, we, we place far too many assumptions on what our spouse should know about us and should do for us. Sometimes our expectations are just way too high. The farmer in that illustration, this is a great illustration, because the farmer has good expectations. He understands that whatever he plants is what he hopes to harvest in the future. The reality is, is that uh, he knows what he can expect from his crop and how long it's going to take. The farmer has good expectations. Sometimes the reason we have such a great patience gap in our life, expectations are too high. For some of us, the reason patience is so difficult for us or patience isn't a reality for us is that because, it's because our reality doesn't allow for anything less than breakneck speeds. See, the farmer understands that there is a season for everything. There's a season for planting, a season for waiting, and a season for harvesting. But for us, the pace at which we live our lives doesn't allow for the insufficiencies in others or the inefficiencies in others. Does that make sense? We love to blame it on things like, well, if you, if you understood my boss, Right? You would know why I was so impatient or irritated. Well, if you knew my wife, my goodness, she is always late. Or my husband, he never communicates, right? We've all been there. We, we like to explain away or give excuses for our, uh, our impatience. We say things like, well, I'm just a perfectionist or I'm a type A type person. The reality is if we really looked at James chapter five, he doesn't give us a pass on any of these things. He says, be patient, dear brother. Don't grumble against each other. Stand firm, be patient. Matter of fact, he uses pretty strong words there that, that would indicate that God takes this idea of patience very seriously as well. Quite possibly because we've all seen the destructive effects of impatience. We've seen that person that's easily irritated or impatient with other people, and it isn't pretty, is it? Or for some of us, we've been the recipients of somebody else's impatience, and we've seen firsthand its destructive nature. The reality is all of us want to be more patient people. So why then isn't it reality for us? I think as we continue on, I wanna dive in a little bit deeper as to what actually patience is. Patience at its core is an expression of and combination of two things. It's an expression of both hope and grace. 
Patience is an expression of two things. It's an expression of hope and grace. It's interesting that James uses two different words in this particular passage to describe patience or to illustrate patience. The first word that he uses is the Greek word hupomone. And hupomone, when it's actually translated, means to stand your ground, to stand firm. I think it's actually better understood when you actually look at the opposite of that word. The opposite of hupomone means to lose hope or to give up. Whether it be in life circumstances or with people, we've been in that place before where we just go, that person always frustrates me. They always do the thing that irritates me the most. Or we look at life and go, man, it's never gonna turn out the way that we want. It's the opposite of hupomone. Hupomone is that sort of patience that stands firm in its belief. And we can have this kind of patience in the most trying of times with the most trying people in our lives because we know this one truth, that God is at work. Take a look at uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 28. It says this, we know that in all things, God works. Let me stop there for a second. Let this truth just kind of settle in the room. We know that in all things, God works works. That means in your boss. That means in your kids, in your spouse, in life circumstances. When you look at the political arena out there and life just seems incredibly frustrating, we know that in all things, God is at work. And when you get a picture, the fact that we know that our heavenly father is intimately involved in all circumstances, there's a great deal of hope, great deal of relief and peace that comes when we know that God is at work in all circumstances. So when we're standing in the middle of our patience gap and it's being tried to the nth degree, one of the reasons that we can stand our ground is we know that God is at work. But that's not all that passage says. It says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That God is at work, but God is also at work for the good. That in our patience gap, while we wait, God is trying to create something that is of value. Look at what he's, James says in James chapter five. It says, it says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. There is something of incredible value that comes only when we wait. Paul, Romans chapter five, verse three through four, says this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, in adversity, in trial, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Interesting word again, that word perseverance is the Greek word, hupomone. Perseverance yields character. Character yields hope. We know than in our most trying times, with our most trying people in our lives, that God is at work and God is up to something that's good. There is no better illustration to this than that of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, for the joy set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross. That word endured is hupomone. He stood his ground. He didn't give up. 
unflinching resolve decided to stand his ground and be faithful to the cause because he knew that his father was up to something and it was gonna be for our good. This is the kind of patience that we ought to have, the kind of patience that stands its ground because we know that God is at work and that God's timing is best. Uh, there's a great book out there called uh, The Life You've Always Wanted. It sounds like a good book, doesn't it? It's by, uh, by an, one of my favorite authors, John Ortberg. And he has this incredible quote. He says it this way. If you're gonna follow somebody by definition, you can't move any faster than the one you're following. Sometimes our greatest frustration in this gap is that things aren't moving fast enough, but we have this resolve, this belief. Our patience comes from a hope that not only God is at work, that God is at work for the good, but his timing is going to be the best timing to yield the most fruit in our lives. We just have to trust him. It's not an empty hope, it's a hope built on promises from the past, God's faithfulness now, right? It's hupomone. God was up to something. God is up to something in the midst of our trial. Well, patience is an expression of hope, but patience is incomplete without grace and love. There's another word that, another Greek word that James uses in this passage. It's pretty common actually throughout the New Testament. The word is macrothumia. And it's translated, actually literally translated, it means long suffering. To bear with the shortcomings of others without retaliating or growing resentful. There was a commentator that I read this week that uh, we were looking at this particular word actually can be translated long wrath, meaning delayed uh, justice, holding out retaliation as long as you possibly can. And he likened it to a short fuse, which most people say that they have when it comes to impatience. Well, I just have a short fuse. I tend to go off at the drop of a hat. He says, he says macrothumia is the exact opposite. Macrothumia is not a short fuse, it's a long fuse. It's the ability to bear with the shortcomings of others without the need to retaliate or to even grow resentful. Look at Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, macrothumia. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, no better illustration than the cross of Christ because when we consider the extent to which God was willing to go to demonstrate his love for us, to pour out his grace on us, to demonstrate mercy to us, Why in the world would we then withhold that which God has given us so freely? When we consider God's grace and his love for us, we know that it's um, unconditional. That God's grace for us was without merit. He gave us his grace without, any, uh, without us having to prove ourselves or do anything for him. It's unmerited favor from God. Before we could prove that we were uh, adequate recipients of God's grace, he decided to love us anyway. Romans chapter five says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, still in our sins, still in disobedience from God, still turning our backs on him, 
He showed us his grace anyway, right? It was unmerited favor. It was unconditional. And God's grace that he gave us was, was sacrificial. It cost them something. And when it comes to patience and giving patience to other people, it's gonna cost you something too. But I can tell you that when it comes to patience, it's definitely worth it. Before we go on, I wanna say this, because I know there's a lot of people in the room that, uh, or whether you're watching right now online, that struggle with this idea of patience. And I can tell you, as I was beginning to prepare for this passage, um, my impatience in life was definitely highlighted and brought to the surface. Matter of fact, even months before when Steve called me and said, I want you to teach in April and I want you to talk on patience, I got a little nervous because I thought, okay, what is God gonna do in my life over the next few months to help me prepare to talk about patience? I just want you to know, some of the best messages come from our weaknesses, and so I just want you to know that this is something I struggle with too. And as I began to evaluate myself in light of what scripture was saying, I could tell you that I fall short in this many times. And you can be, feel incredibly defeated and be down today, especially, especially, especially parents in here today. Parents of little ones, where your patience gap is as wide as this stage, and you're being tried on a constant basis just to hold your ground and to continue to give grace, right? I just want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for our, all of our insufficiencies, all of our inadequacies, even in this particular area. So before you walk out of here feeling defeated, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for you as well. Now, we all wanna be patient. We all wanna be more patient people. So how then do we form this in our lives? How do we become more patient people? How do we grow patience in our life? The good news is, is if you're standing right now in the middle of some sort of a patience gap where, where your expectations and your reality are about as far away from each other as they can be, I want you to know that you're in the best possible place to learn about patience because patience grows in the same soil in which it's tried. If, you're being, if your patience is being tried today, you're in the best possible place to learn how to become more patient. If we're gonna learn how to be more patient, we've gotta put ourselves in places where, we are gonna, where our patience is actually going to be tried. There's, in that book that I mentioned a few minutes ago, the life, that you've, the life That You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg, uh, he actually suggests that you put yourself in the position for your patience to be tried so that you can intentionally slow your life down. He calls this intentional slowing. He says the next time you're driving to work, you wanna learn patience, he said instead of driving in the left lane, drive in the slow, way, slow lane all the way to work. You wanna learn patience, slow yourself down. If next time you're in a grocery store or a store, find the longest line and get in that line. And then let the person behind you go in front of you. What this does, intentionally slowing your life down, will break our dependence upon expedience and speed in your life. It teaches us that we don't have to go fast all the time, that things don't always have to be immediate. And sometimes the best lessons in life and the best things in life come when we wait. 
The other thing that we'd suggest today, if you want to learn patience, is that we've got to We've got to find more solitude in our life. There's a great book out there called The Celebration of Discipline. It's written by Richard Foster. And in that book, he talks about several spiritual disciplines. These are things that you can implement in your life to train you for godliness. These are the practices that we put into place that put us in the best position to be recipients of God's spirit as he forms these uh, these fruits in our life. And if we wanna learn patience, Solitude has to be a regular practice in our life. It's that place in your life where you get away, you remove all of the distractions of the world, the things that cause us to hurry and to move through life too quickly, and we slow our lives down so that we can hear from God and adequately receive from God as we meditate on these incredible truths about his hope and about his grace. When we stop long enough to begin to realize that in all circumstances, God is at work. And we begin to read truths about how God has been faithful to others in the past, the saints in the past, people in your own life where God has been faithful and he has worked and he's he's taken the most trying circumstances, the most difficult adversity, and he's worked good and he's worked peace and patience through those. And you begin to meditate on those truths from God's word, something begins to change in you. And then when you begin to meditate on the gift that God has given us, his incredible mercy and his grace, and we begin to see how much grace God has actually given us in our life, how much he has forgiven us for, it becomes a lot easier than to begin to extend that same grace and mercy to other people. But it can only be done when we get everything out of our lives and we find our place in a quiet, in a quiet place, complete solitude. Richard Foster was quoting Thomas Merton when he said this about um, solitude. It is in deep solitude that I find the gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers. The more solitary I am, the more affection I have for them. Solitude and silence teach me to love my brothers for what they are and not for what they say. If patience is going to be formed in us, it's not about mustering up enough ability to be patient with other people. It's about putting ourselves in the best position for God to form patience in us. Remember, Galatians 5, it's a fruit of the Spirit, not just a fruit of our efforts. The late Ruth Graham was driving down a highway one day, and she happened upon a construction site. If you've ever been in a construction site, you understand there's a lot of things to navigate and it can be pretty frustrating because um, traffic begins to back up. So she was navigating through all the different machinery and the road signs, sign after sign, kind of warning her of what was to come until she got to the very last sign on her journey. And the last sign read this, end of construction, thanks for your patience. And that sign really struck her and impacted her so much so that when it came time to choose what was going to be on her headstone before she passed, instead of listing out all of her incredible accomplishments 
instead of talking about the incredible grace-filled life that she lived, the amazing things that she accomplished for God and his kingdom, instead of listing out all of the great things that she had done, she simply wrote this phrase on her headstone. End of construction. Thanks for your patience. Isn't that amazing? It's the way that she viewed her life. She had this keen understanding that God was always at work in her, forming her to be more like him every day. That she was always under construction until she came to the end of her life. And she had that same perception on others as well, that God was at work in them too. And that they weren't done yet. And I believe it's why she was able to live such an incredible grace-filled life where she showered her generosity with people literally all over the world. It's the kind of person that I aspire to be, somebody of incredible patience. I know you and I wanna be there too. So, as we conclude today, your first test of patience is getting off the parking lot when we conclude. Let's pray together. God, how we so long to be like you, who is patient with us even in our greatest shortcomings and our failings. And we're grateful today for your grace and the hope that we have that you are not done with us, that you are still at work in us forming these things. So God, I pray that you would give us the abilities today to be able to walk in patience, to be able to walk through life with confidence that comes from the hope we have in, in your word, but to be able to live in grace as well and to, to, be, um, to be the kind of person that showers the same grace that you've given us to people in our lives. God, give us the courage to do what it takes today to become more patient. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.